Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Darkness conceals, light reveals, Jesus heals. Okay, let me say that one more time. Darkness conceals, light reveals, Jesus heals. One of the things that is astonishing about Queen Elizabeth's life is she reigned for, what was it, 70, 75 years? Enough that like five years here or there isn't going to make a huge difference. She was in the public eye for her entire life. And as far as we know, there are no skeletons in the closet. There are things in and around her life that she would not have loved or would not necessarily be proud of, but basically everything in her life is in the public eye and there's nothing anyone's pointing to going, oh, well, she's a terrible person because of blank. And how often do we find out that there was something done in the darkness that's revealed in the light later on that brings down our esteem? One of the most painful uh, Ones of those I can remember in recent memory was Ravi Zacharias, who many of you will know he was a powerful evangelist. God used him to do great things, but actually he was, he was a fairly horrible guy in some ways. And the way that he treated people, it was allegations that seem to be true of sexual abuse that have come out and misconduct. And it's, it's brutal. It's, it's crippling to the church, but it's crippling to him as a person. How often do we see that something is revealed that has been concealed? I think the heart of this message is really this. Let me skip to the end and then go back and we'll work through and see what God does. The heart of the message is this. You cannot conceal anything in your life. There is no such thing as a secret. Either in this life or the next, all things will be revealed. You've got God that knows the innermost workings of your heart. You've got the natural workings of life that tend to bring the things from the inside out anyway. And then you've got what happens in death where things get revealed to you. So let me, let me throw another couple of examples in there. Who remembers the fire festival guy? You know, like had a cup of coffee five years ago uh, because he put on, you know, what was meant to be like the biggest influencer festival of all time, except everyone got there and he was just scamming them. Like he had not worked anything out except how to get their credit card details. Like that was really the only detail he had sorted. So already in very short period of time, he's gone from, man, this guy is a mover and shaker to he's literally in jail. Like very, very quickly, the light, the dark, the light shone on the darkness and it was revealed in this life. Conversely, how many of you have heard of Viktor Frankl? Viktor Frankl, it's got to be a few of you. Viktor Frankl was a, uh, a Polish Jew who was a psychiatrist, uh, one of the fathers of modern psychiatry. And he was taken to Auschwitz with his family, with his wife, his father and mother, and I believe a couple of siblings. Basically, everyone died. Either they were killed in concentration camps or they died as a result of complications from being in a concentration camp. And in that, Frankl began to, began to uh, go in internally, and he came up, he, what, what he went through became the heart of what became a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And in that book, what he says is that ultimately you can strip everything away except for the responsibility we take for our own actions and, and our emotional life. What goes on on the inside, we, nobody can take that away from you. 
People can affect it. They can traumatize you. But what happens on the inside, you have a responsibility for at the end of the day. That was one of his great revelations. But at the end of his life, when he passed away, something came found out. They knew that he was Jewish by birth. Not many people knew that he was a profoundly Orthodox Jew. He was a very, very faithful Jewish person. And it was found, because his family finally revealed after his death, that he prayed the Psalms every single day for 50 years. Some people, when the light is shone on them, something horrible comes up. Sometimes, when the light is shone on them, like Victor Frankl, actually, you see the depth of character of that person. Really, the long and the short of it, church, is who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? So the passage that Brant read from today, 2 Corinthians 4, is from Paul. And, um, and Paul is starting to, he's talking about veils and light and darkness. And, and really darkness is uh, represented in a couple of different ways in the Bible. Um, we see it, you know, it's by definition the absence of light. We see it in these two main, main um, descriptions. There's literal darkness, the literal absence of light, but then there's figurative darkness, Darkness is evil or ignorance. Darkness is avoidance of the truth. These are the two main uses of darkness in the Bible. An absence of light and a life of sin. Those are the two. Both of them refer to something that is, in, it is hidden because both in the absence of light sense and in a sinful sense, darkness conceals. It's all about hiding things. So some of that can be accidental, right? Like if you've ever gone into a dark room and you don't know where the lights are. In fact, this room is exactly like that. If you don't know where the lights are and it's dark, it can be a bit of a nightmare. But luckily, there's usually nothing in the middle. But if there is something in the middle of the room, good luck. You are probably going to hurt yourself. Like your shins are going to take a beating. That's accidental. The darkness conceals things that cause accidental damage. That happens. Then there's a sort of incidental damage. Like when the darkness conceals things, like you go into your room and it's bedtime, you're like, I'm just going to kick this stuff under the bed because I'd like the room to be neat, but I don't want it to be neat enough to do the work to make it neat. So I'm just going to sort of shove it under my bed. And I get that it's a problem I'm going to have to deal with later. Like I can't tell you how many times, Jenny, you don't need to put a hand up here, but I can't tell you how many times I sort of looked at the kitchen and gone, well, switch the light off. Good night. You know, (laughs) Guess that's a future Mike's problem or possibly future Jenny's problem. <laughs> I'm going to bed. So th- that's, that's a trivial example, right? Sometimes things are hidden, concealed in the darkness, incidentally. Sometimes it's accidentally, but quite often it's intentionally. Quite often what we do is we hide things in the darkness because we don't want the light shone on it. Because what happens when the light comes on the darkness is the light reveals. You ever gone in somewhere like an abandoned house or a very old place and switch the light on and suddenly like roaches and rats are scattering? It's, it's fairly disgusting. That's what happens in the dark. And the light gets on and they all disappear. You ever lifted up a big rock in the backyard? Every male in the room, like, of course you did. That's what boys do. They're like, what's under that rock? Sick bugs. Like, that's basically what it is to be a little boy. And you lift up that rock, and there's all sorts of bugs. And do you know what they do? They don't sit there quietly and go, oh, whenever you're ready, pop the rock back down. They, they go, you know, scatter all over the place. They're looking for the next rock to hide under because light reveals what doesn't want to be seen. And that's what's happening on the inside of us. This is why concealer, by the way, is used in makeup, right, girls? It hides blemishes. It hides things that you do not want to be seen. Beards work the same way on guys, incidentally. Same sort of thing. So Paul's talking about lights. He's talking about veils. He's talking about darkness. And he's saying that we have received God's mercy and renounced secret and shameful things. Here's what that means. It means we have 
recognize that in our life there are things that are hidden. They are secret. Sometimes they are intentional, sometimes they're not, like we were talking about before. You may have a deep, dark family secret you're ashamed of, or you may just have something that you haven't realized yet. You're like, oh, I behave that way in public. Like, I had this incredible moment in high school where I was um, making fun of a guy to another friend. It was not a Christian. I want to give myself that caveat. Also, I was a teenage boy, so my prefrontal cortex was like 10 years in the, in the distance at best. So I was in high school. I was ripping on this guy to another friend of mine, and she just stops me. And she's like, you know he's a friend of mine, right? I was like, what, that guy? And she's like, yeah, don't talk about him that way. I was like, oh, okay. She's like, you know... I defend you like that when other people talk about you like this. It's like, other people talk about me like this? I, why? I was like, well, maybe because you talk about them like this, you idiot. Like, you know, do you know, sometimes we don't know what's going on in our lives and the light reveals it like that conversation. You're like, oh, I have quite a lot of maturing to do. And after that, ever since then, I've been perfect. <laughs> that's the secret part. The shameful part is recognizing that there's something that's hidden that we do not want revealed. It could be something dramatic like you're a kleptomaniac or something trivial like you're a Collingwood supporter, but either way, you don't want it made public. It's just not gonna help you. And Paul sums this up here about the life God doesn't want us to live by saying we're not to act deceitfully, we're not to distort God's word that we cannot live a life that is different from the outside than it is on the inside. That's the first step. And then the second step is the renouncing. We reject, we renounce these things. That's what Paul's saying we need to do. We acknowledge them and we reject them. And we have to do that because darkness will not remain concealed. If we don't reject them and do something about it, the light's gonna come on them anyway. God is a God of light and light unstoppably bursts forth into darkness. Darkness doesn't win, friends. It doesn't win. Jesus has ultimately defeated darkness on the cross, overcoming the power of darkness in the grave. But every time there is darkness and light, when light is on, you can see it. Light always wins. Light bursts forward into darkness. Friends, the light doesn't lie. Everything in your life is gonna be shone forth eventually. It's up to us how we bring that forth. So let's go back to light for a second, right? Um, I remember again, pre-Christian days, going out into nightclubs. I know, like just impeccable dress sense, a lot of, like a lot of hair gel. And in nightclubs, the lights play a big, big role, right? They, there's, there's strobes, there's like, you know, lights like basically like we've got here, really. And like darkness and light, doing a lot of work. And then if you're there too long at the end of the night, boom, they just turn on the lights. And it is a lot like the roaches scattering in a warehouse. Like, you know, it comes on and everybody looks around and people's alcohol is wearing off and they see like the, the, the marks on the makeup, the smears, and they see like, oh man, the bleach in your mullet's kind of, yeah, it's a bit sketchy, isn't it? And you know, the poor tattoo choices, the muffin tops, the broken glass, everything is showing. And so we, when the lights go on, things are revealed, people would prefer not to see, but the light doesn't lie. It just shows what is hidden. And so there's a few responses we have when the light of God comes into our lives that I, that I want to put out for you. When the light comes into our lives and reveals what is hidden, we can respond in a few different ways, okay? Sometimes we do, we behave like the roaches and we scatter. The light of God comes into our lives and people like the Christian life until suddenly something is revealed to them. Now, either that's by God convicting them in their heart or it's in a conversation and somebody, and somebody calls them out on some sort of behavior and then they run. I've seen people do dramatic versions of this, like run for the hills. They've literally given up their life 
and run from the Christian faith because they have been called out on a lie that they've been living. They've been called out in some darkness in their life and rather than face it, they've just run. I, I cannot emphasize how much I've seen people give up when this, this has been happening in their life. What that is really is, is it's, it's just uh, a sense of outrunning or hiding the repercussions of your behavior. But you can't do that because apart from the fact that you're hurting other people, that lives in you. What happened in your behavior, what happened in your life stays in you. And it's something else that God needs to work on. It's really just a layer that you're pushing down. I don't know if you've ever seen like those photos on memes of landlords who have like painted the walls so quickly you can see bugs or you can see like the PowerPoint underneath the paint. That's what we do when we are just trying to run from God. We're just pushing it down and going, everything's fine until it suddenly isn't. Sometimes when the lights come on, we flinch. You know, we're in darkness too long, the lights come on and you flinch back because the shock. It's a flinch in this case of shame. When the darkness is concealing something and the lights come on and reveal it, we have this shame, we have this fear of being judged by others. We fear that when people see who we really are, they'd reject us. And they say, oh, I just think, oh, you like me now, all dressed up and looking nice at church and making polite conversation. By the way, if you're new here, we try and avoid polite conversation and kind of go a bit, go a bit deeper. So don't be afraid to stir the pot a bit, right? You, you think you like me now, but if you knew what I was really like, you'd never like me. You wouldn't like the person I am on the inside. And maybe that's you. Maybe that's you. You're afraid of rejection because that's what that is. It's a fear of judgment and of rejection. But sometimes we get angry at the light. Like somebody at the club who feels like it's too early to go home. Like, no, don't turn the light on. So instead of asking whether we should have gone home early, we get angry at the person turning the lights on. But the light doesn't lie. It's us. It's us doing something. Now, this is a damaging one. This is like a worst case scenario because this is somebody, well, not quite worst case, but they're trying to justify their behavior, right? But if it's revealed by the light, it's true in you. The light doesn't lie. The worst, case, the worst case scenario is not just getting angry at the light. It's claiming that what is darkness is not darkness. That, yeah, the light's shone on it. Yeah, you can see it, but it's not darkness. That's your problem, not mine. So this is the sort of thing uh, where we, we would say, yeah, I was ripping into you behind your back with the co-worker. So what? Your problem. I'm not ashamed of it. That's just who I am. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yep, I know, you caught me. I did cheat on my spouse. So what? That's, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to do. That seems, that's your problem, not mine. I'm okay with it. I'm fine. Now, usually they're pretty aggressive, and that shows you how fine they are. But in this scenario, the person who is revealing what is hidden is turned into the person doing the wrong thing, right? So the God is the devil. The devil is God. Evil is good, good is evil. The world is being flipped upside down. If we go back to live no lies, when we talk about our this devil's deceptive ideas, um, appealing to our disordered desires and coming to light in a sinful society, it's the end point there. The sinful society going, yeah, okay, this is now okay. This is now fine. This is the worst case scenario. The light gets condemned. In fact, you could argue it's really the worst sin in Scripture. Basically to say that the work of the God of God is the devil and the work of the devil is God. It's the most damaging thing in scripture. But again, light doesn't lie. It just shows us what's here. It's painful at times. When the light shines, it is painful. Anyone who has stood up here for the first time has been like, oh wow, the floodlights. By the way, this is way better than it used to be. It can be a bit painful, but it's good for us. 
So what about you, church? What's going on under the surface? What's under, what are you concealing? What's in the darkness? What haven't you asked about? Like I said, sometimes it's unintentional, right? It's accidental. You just haven't stopped to ask, God, what's under the surface of my life that I'm concealing? But the light of God is here to reveal in you what is going on in you. Now, here's the kicker. Darkness conceals, light reveals, but Jesus heals. The light by itself is painful. And if all we got was the light, that's no good because that just sits on our shame. That's why we get ashamed and angry and fearful because the light comes on us and we don't know what to do. But in our emotional vulnerability, in our willingness to bring ourselves forward and go, there is something happening in me in the dark and I want to bring it into the light. Jesus comes and meets us there if we let him. And that's the important part because if we are just concealed in the darkness, we're living a lie. If we're just bringing it into the light, either we justify our lie or we get ashamed of it. But if we bring it into the light and bring it towards Jesus, we can lay it down at the foot of the cross like the queen bringing her crown and say, Jesus, not only is this true, not only is it painful, but I trust that you can do a work in me to heal it. Absolutely. We do not just stay in the darkness. We do not just stay in the light. We stay in the light and invite Jesus to do a healing work in us. And church, I think that is sometimes where we get stuck because anybody who is not attempting to do any self-reflection, particularly with Jesus, stays in the dark because it's safer until suddenly it isn't, but it feels safer. When you go into the light and nothing else is there to help you, that's when some trauma happens. When you bring something into the light and someone says, let me hit you with the truth of God, you're like, oh, is like the grace of God coming with that? Like, no, no, just the truth. Eat the truth of God. You know, that, some of you have been in church environments like that. Some of, frankly, some of you have been in church environments like this, where they're like, everything's fine, don't rock the boat. Some of you have been in church environments or social environments where people have hit you with truth, and it is truth, and it hurts, but they've not stood there and journeyed with you. But the last step is to take you by the hand and say, do you know, I, I'm telling you this, not just to tell you the truth, because what, it's true, that's your problem, but to take you to where Jesus can do a work of inner healing. Now, that last step requires faith. It requires us to come to a God that we trust in faith to do the work of healing, knowing that we might have come before and felt let down. Knowing that we might have prayed for things to be healed that haven't happened. But also knowing that the ultimate work of God is not to say, I want to restore you physically, but to say, I want you on the inside to be as alike to Christ as possible. That's the work of God. And that's, from this passage today, Moses talks about the veil and he talks about the way that the the Israelites wanted him to hide from them because he was reflecting the glory of God. They were afraid and ashamed. They saw the light and cowered away. They said, put on a veil. We would rather shy away from the light than deal with the light. But the great saving act of God is that Jesus has died in the darkness so that you might live in the light. He's taken the pain He's taken the suffering and violence of the world on himself so that you might come into the light, so that you might know your sin, bring it into the light and see it healed and you be restored, forgiven and redeemed in Jesus' name. The entire process needs to happen. Otherwise, you're either left in darkness, hurt in the light, but you need to be healed in Jesus' name. That is the desperate prayer of God for you. 
Jesus is the human image of God we aspire to. And that is really what Paul's saying in verse 6. We get to that point where we aspire to be like Jesus. And we do that to serve other people. We don't just become like Jesus so we can stand up on a pedestal holier than thou, which I most certainly am not. We do it because the more we become like Jesus, light shines out of us and people see that. There is something attractive, magnetic, about the light of a follower of Jesus who is so deeply authentic and passionate and the same on the inside as they are on the outside. In fact, here's the sort of thing Jesus says about this. This is where he goes to the extreme where he says, actually, I want you to turn your whole life upside down with that. Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Saying, okay, identify what is in the dark, right? What is secret and shameful. We renounce it. We bring it into the light and we renounce it. We're not doing what's secret and shameful. All right, got it. It needs to be brought into the light and identified. All right, got it. It needs to be brought over here and healed. All right, got it. And then Jesus would say, you take all the things that you are doing in the public, so not the healed stuff, the other stuff where you are seen and known and respected and bring that into the darkness and work on it in the hidden place. Now, you ever been in a church where we, we talked to, well, I mean, you're in this church, but where we talk about the hidden place or the secret place that is the inner place where we do work with God? Where Jesus in the Beatitudes says, what I want you to do is not stand on the corner like the Pharisees and pray, but go into an inner room and pray with the door shut. There's a time where Jesus is basically saying, go into the darkness. And what does he say there? Refine your spirit. Bring all the stuff that you want to be seen, all the stuff you're proud of, into the darkness for the Lord to filter it through and do a work in it through you. Because the point is for you not to stand up on stage and be seen, but actually to lay down your crown at the foot of the throne and say the only one who is to be seen is Jesus. Because if you look at me, it doesn't matter how hard I try, I will let you down. The same way that I said Queen Elizabeth had led an extraordinary life, and she has, but every one of you can probably go, well, I don't know about X, Y, and Z though. Because why? She's a human being. That's why. Only God made human could identify the perfect life to follow, the sort of person to aspire to become. And the only way we can aspire to become him is not by working harder or striving more, but by laying down our crowns in the darkness, bringing our sin into the light and inviting the healing of Jesus to work in our spirit, in our body and do a restoring work so that we become a new creation worthy of other people looking at and going, there is something about that person. I don't know what it is, but I want that. And if you've ever seen that in someone else, or you've ever had someone else identify that in you, you know how compelling it is. That is the vision of God for your life. So where to from here? And Ben, you guys can come back up. If we have to do a work where we take things from darkness and into light, reveal, confess, get it healed. And Jesus is also saying, but the work you're doing in the light because you're doing it in the light because you like the way people look at you and affirm you, the stuff you put on the grams, you know. Bring that into the darkness, into the secret place. Don't look for affirmation. Look for affirmation. Look for my affirmation. I already love you, but why don't you do works for me? Now, this can seem like God is so deeply needy, but actually it's about restoring your soul. God doesn't need your worship. 
He is the triune God, three in one, living in perfect harmony. He does not need your friendship. He does not need your relationship. He does not need your worship. You need that friendship. You need that relationship. You need that worship. It refines your soul. And God takes great joy in the growth of his children. That's it. This all comes back down to love. You have a father who is pure light. We have the God of light who has defeated the prince of darkness. And the God of light is longing for you to come into the light so that you can become more like him. Not because he is a narcissist, but because when you do that, you are transformed and the world begins to be transformed. And God's ultimate goal is the transformation of all creation. And he chooses to do that in his wisdom, not mine, through us. Wow. So what's going on in you, church? What's there in the darkness that needs to come into the light? I'm sure there's a bunch of people like, yes, can't wait. No, of course not. That's not what happens when you turn the light on. But that doesn't mean it doesn't need to be done. So I want to offer a few options here, and this is not going to be a public response because I don't think that is what this requires. A few different options from different stages. The first is, from this concealing stage, there might be some sexual sin hidden in your life. This might be how you're behaving with people in romantic relationships, or it might just be going on, you're watching pornography, you've got an addiction of some kind, and you are concealing it, and you need to bring it into the light. When we say bring it into light, the first step is to confess it to Jesus. The second, I would encourage you, is to find an elder or pastor or someone you trust to confess it to out loud. Not because they need to know, but because that unburdens you. It actually lifts the weight of it off you. When you have a secret that is revealed, even if it's a bad secret, it actually lifts a burden from you. It's like, oh, I don't have to pretend I'm someone I'm not anymore. So I want to encourage you, if you're here in the darkness, it's time to come out into the light. Now, for those of you who are in the light, so you know something is going on in your life, and it's in the light, the word I had from the Lord is pride. This is actually the hardest one. It's far harder to deal with than sexual sin. That some of you in this room, you wrestle with pride in your life. That is to lay down your crown at the foot of Jesus. And when the light is shone on things that you are doing wrong, because there'll be other stuff going on, there always is. <laughs> Praise God. When that light is shone on your life, you get angry. How dare they? Now, I cannot do anything in your spirit. Only you can. Only you can lay this down. But I want to encourage you, that needs healing. It actually needs breaking and then healing. So if that's you, and you have a, a self-righteousness, a defensiveness that kicks in, you need to lay that down at the foot of the cross. And maybe if it's not pride, and, and you've been able to deal with that just enough, it might be like egotism might be another word, just going, ah, oh, like it's not that I believe I'm better than people, but maybe kind of a little bit. It just You may need that to... So work on that with the Lord. I believe that's what the Lord's saying. And then there's this third one where, okay, these are just different, different examples in different stages, right? You get that? So, okay, people in the darkness, sexual sin is, I think, what God wants to address there. People who have come into the light but not healed, I think that um, uh, pride is what God wants to heal. And over here, people who have been in the darkness come out into the light and, and named it and claimed it and owned it and are not trying to fight it is anxiety, I think that's the word that God has, that there are people with anxiety in this place and you've, you're out of the darkness with it. You're not pretending it's untrue. So you've got it into the light and you're going, okay, well, if I have it, I need to manage it. And God's saying, yes, 
but also bring it to me. So not, it's not either or with this. I want to be really, really clear. I want to affirm you if you are seeking medical help. I want to affirm you if you are seeking uh, a professional counseling or psychology. But I also want to tell you that you need to bring it to Jesus. And you may need to trust in Him afresh for healing. And if you've already tried that once, that's hard. That is hard. But Jesus says, knock and the door shall be opened. Seek and you shall find. Not because you knock, but because you kept on knocking. Keep on knocking. So I'm going to pray now, and we're just going to bow our heads, close our eyes. No one's going to be raising a hand. This is between you and Jesus, because this is some deeply personal stuff. Sexual sin, pride, and anxiety. These three places. But maybe there's something else that God has just hit you with. Or maybe there's someone... In fact, just... I really want to encourage this. Don't think of somebody else that you know that has a problem. Okay? That means you're probably in the pride spot. Think of yourself. What is the Lord revealing in you? So let's take a moment. Why don't you close your eyes? Just let God bring something to mind. Maybe this is unfamiliar to you, but I believe God wants to speak to you tonight. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. In this time of reflection, God, as we long for you to do a work in our soul of healing and restoration, we first say, God, what is there that you are revealing in our life? And Lord, if it is sexual sin, for those that have been wrestling with something, whether that's pornography and everything that results from that, whether it's sleeping around, whether it's uh, being in a consensual relationship where they're crossing boundaries that you're calling them not to, Lord, we just ask that you would bring it into the light and begin the process of healing in Jesus' name. We just ask your, your courage, your hand of courage would be on them to bring it into the light. Lord, for those who already have brought it out to the light, but they, they are wrestling with pride, Lord, we ask your hand of healing on those people. Father, we know that with pride, it's always a shattering before there's a reforming, and that is hard. But God, would you help those people who have the humility to say, I have a problem with pride, Lord, that's, that's the wedge that you can use to transform them. If you can say, I have a problem with pride, God can transform you. He can heal you. And so for those people, Lord, I just pray that you would pour out your Spirit on them, an extra pouring of your Spirit, an outpouring right now that they would be weeping in Jesus' name because of the goodness and grace of our God in their life. Would you transform them, Lord? And for those who are right on the end and they wrestle with anxiety and they know it to be true and they don't deny it and maybe they're even seeking help, Lord, would you help them come to you for help, knowing that it's in their spirits that they need ultimate healing. And Father, we thank you and affirm you for the way you're working through them. And Lord, we just declare, declare the words of Psalm 23 that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And that the peace that surpasses all understanding will be yours in Christ Jesus. These are the promises of God over you. Bring that to God again. And for anyone else, for whatever you have brought to Christ tonight, may you know the peace and mercy and healing of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. 
To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.